is Stephen King. A lot of people have directed Stephen King novels and stories. And I finally decided if you want something done right, you ought to do it yourself. So come and spend some time with me and my friends at the Dixie Boy. Spend some time in the dark. Please don't let me in the dark. I'm going to scare the hell out of you. We are the ones who say, thank you, Psy King. I'm your host, Travis Maxwell And I'm joined by my wife, Mashed Potato Johnson. Mashed Potato Johnson. And tonight we're going to do a little tribute to Stephen King. I was going to play a joke on my wife and uh, she didn't know what we were talking about, but mm, the recording kind of sounded fucked up. Thank God we checked it and didn't keep prattling on, but... That would have been really upsetting. It would have been. So that's gone. It's lost to history. I've done deleted it, like, just now, a few seconds ago. <laughs> so we'll never hear it again. At, at least they they lost the, the Welshley arms. <laughs> oh, no! We did the whole thing! <laughs> oh, man. That's what I'm saying. That's why I should have kept it just for us. Welcome to the Weshley Arms Nightclub, what? where everything is spooky. What? <laughs> welcome to the Welcome to the Weshley Arms Caravan. Wait, but how do we say it? Caravan. The car the caravan. The caravan. <laughs> Would you like to try some succulent turkey necks in a in a grease gravy prepared by our very own Ross Shambletons? <laughs> We've been watching some SNL. Um, Will Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon, these motherfuckers break character in certain scenes. You got YouTube SNL breaking character. It, it's great. It's great watching these people. What fucking brings do. you to the Washlam's Hotel? <laughs> I find that it is the exquisite bubbles of the hot tub that awaken the sensual nature of the lava. They say the lava. <laughs> That's what that girl in the second scene said. She's like, I am a lava. But it's whenever she gets on top of him to start doing it and he hates it. He's like, get off. That's that's when he becomes his true self. Get off, get off of me. Yes. So all that's lost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tonight is a uh, tribute to the master of horror. The king, if you will, of horror. Um, this is not going to be an episode about his life because that would be a show in and of itself. Tonight, it's going to be more of, how did we come to be in the Stephen King uh, oeuvre, the universe of Stephen King? But w horror, horror especially today, because, at the, and I think it started a few years ago with uh, It Chapter One, and then you see films like Gerald's Game, you see films like Pet Cemetery being remade. Uh, so amazing. Yeah, fucking really amazing. Mike fucking Flanagan. Movies like Dark Tower, but and then there's more Stephen King projects like HBO's The Outsider. Um, there's a lot of things that are coming down the pike too, like The Long Walk. There's been a King Renaissance, and in the '90s, there was a King, quote unquote, Renaissance. Just mm -hmm. like how there, I don't know, man. Throughout every decade since the '70s, Stephen King has had some crazy film and TV adaptations. Yeah, it comes like in a wave. It seems to. Mm -hmm. And we're we're on the crest of one right now. Yeah. But when it comes to King, this episode is going to be about how we got introduced to Stephen King. 
or our history with Stephen King. Uh, a tiny bit of background, just so we know who we're talking about here. Born Stephen Edwin King on September 21st, 1947 in Portland, Maine, a state which is the setting of many of his classic novels, King would go on to become the name of modern horror, as we've said, selling over 350 million books so far and within his lifetime. So he's still alive. I think at the time of this recording, he is uh, 72. So, you know, he's he's a statesman of horror at this point. Yeah. An elderly statesman. Been doing it for a long time. For a long-ass, drunk-ass at the beginning of his career Cocaine time. Cocaine snorting ass. Cocaine. <laughs> that's the that's something else we lost was like a little uh, well a tiny little uh hint that we're gonna talk about this movie a little bit later where he what babe what where he snorted a lot of cocaine and and, and <laughs> went crazy and directed a movie oh starring emilio what was that dumb shit you were making me watch uh where the guy um that that old ass movie where the, the sword just, like, flips into his hand. Hawk the Slayer? Yeah. What about it? <laughs> it's ridiculous. You're thinking about it? Yeah. You know why? Yeah, because it's it's great. Because it's great, yeah. man. God damn it, I know it is. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. All right, this is a, precur- a precursor <laughs> to a, to some shit I'm going to be doing later for this show. Much, probably much later. Uh, it's going to be a big project. But... I've been. This, this is cool that you that you did that. I'm keeping this in. I've been I've been doing <laughs> some research on 1980s sword and sorcery films. I'm talking movies like the aforementioned Hawk the Slayer. I'm talking Beastmaster. I'm talking fucking Masters of the Universe. Look, they're ready for an epic ride. There's gonna be some great shit coming coming. Look, but I, I tried to get Angel. She likes dumbass shit, just like I do, just like some of us all. We all do. And I, I'm trying to get her to fucking see whenever you're watching something that's so over the top that it's actually amazing. And she's getting there. She's there with some of them, like the rooms she gets. But it's like when Jason, like, he sees him and he's climbing all the way up. <laughs> she's and, talking and about he, Jason takes Manhattan right and now. And he just, he just, he's right there behind him. Like, right <laughs> when he makes it, it's he thinks so he's good. out of the danger zone. Uh, the danger zone. The just, danger zone. Yeah, the danger zone. Boinka boy. Boinka boy, where you at? <laughs> no, yeah. Jason takes Manhattan. Jason. Punching and, off that head, too. Well, that oh. was badass. At this yeah. point in the franchise, this is a tangent within a tangent, but Jason Takes Manhattan, at this point in the franchise, we're on film number eight, and this guy, the the killer in the films now has supernatural teleportation powers and everything else. I mean, the series has gone from a mom taking revenge for her son's death to a supernatural zombie, and no, I'm not talking about Jesus. I'm talking about Jason, which, believe it or not, Jesus had a brother, I think his name was Jason. Oh, man. But let's bring it back from that tangent to the previous one. Hawk the Slayer, that's going to be the first thing I talk about because that film came... Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing a countdown of 1980s sword and sorcery films, but in chronological order, and then I'll give my favorite rankings of them. But Hawk the Slayer came out in 1980, so it will be the first film covered, and it is so... Jack Palance is in it. It's so good, Make man. Make sure you wear sunglasses for all the neon bright glows <laughs> and the effects. The amazing 80s neon glowing shits, Aww. yes. It, it, I mean, it'll blind you. Okay, and you haven't even... Right. And she only saw the first 15 minutes. We're going to have to... I'm going to get you in on this. That sword. Ugh. But back to Stephen King. Okay. Yeah, the sword of mind. Oh, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King, man. So, uh, when we first recorded this, I, I kind of shot it right to you. I'm going to talk for a minute and, and kind of give you an idea of, of where I'm coming from with my love of Stephen King. So, when I was growing up, uh, my nanny owned a video store, and that helped me have access to a lot of different movies especially with my cousin DJ who did he was like the he, he performed the job a big brother would perform where he's gonna show me all the fucking cool shit that's a little too advanced for my age type thing mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah I mean this guy taught me how to tie my shoes he taught me how to play video games 
He taught me how to ride a bike because my, my dad was busy working away from home a lot. So DJ was kind of like a little, not father mm-hmm. figure, but he was like an older role model and would show me shit. Well, when it came to video games and movies, he would show me the fucked up stuff, the awesome stuff. And uh, I, I through him, I could find some cool movies like Friday the 13th and all that. And I'd get them from my video stores in my hometown, like Reed's Pharmacy. They didn't care how old you were. You could be X number age, and they would still fucking let you rent the shit. They didn't, they really didn't care. Right. So we'd rack up on tapes whenever we wanted to have a sleepover. Um, Stephen King, it, he, the name synonymous with the product. So if it's a horror feature, and I see Stephen King's name, when did I first put two and two together and be like, oh, this is probably something I'm going to dig? It was probably around... Uh, Somewhere between Children of the Corn, like seeing it, and I didn't see any of this in, in the order of release because I, I was about that one. I wasn't born yet. It probably started with Children of the Corn, like knowing that his name was synonymous with that from movies like Carrie, Pet Cemetery, which was released the year I was born, nineteen eighty nine. Sometimes dead is better, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No fair. <laughs> That's a little kid. That's so sad, man. That novel's fucked up. But um, no, around that time, knowing Stephen King as a as a, and then then when when I was able to see it, the 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 miniseries for the first time, that's when it really started clicking for me. Uh, my my friend Shane Fontenot got me introduced to Dean Koontz as a horror author. I love him. He he's a great author. Velocity is amazing. Intensity is amazing. Yep, that one too. Um, the, I think it's called the Whisper in the Night or the Voice in the Night. Velocity was so good. From the corner of his eye, I'm probably butchering some of these titles. Uh, I think it's one of the best ones involves voodoo. I think it's called Night Falls or something like that or Darkness Falls. Fuck, I'm gonna fuck all this up. I don't know. I've read Koontz though. I Me have. Too. But I, I read I read some Koontz, and then I'm like, well, shit, I've watched a lot of Stephen King stuff, like Storm of the Century and uh, Rose Red. I, like, I've seen a lot of his stuff, Dead Zone, the film, and the television series when it was premiering on USA Network. Mm-hmm. I, I watched a lot of King before I finally read King, but then I started reading King. And I think the first King I read was a short story compilation, mm-hmm. uh, Nightmares and Dreamscapes. That was the first thing that got me hooked into King. And then I went from there to like Firestarter, Cujo, Carrie, some of the classics. Yeah, I, I, I did Carrie. Um, I started reading them later though. Um, well, what was your first memories knowing like who Stephen King was? Well, I think it's cool that you had family that had a movie store because so did I. And that's why I got to watch a lot of the things I watched. But my mom would watch horror movies with me really young. And um, we watched the It series, and that's how I um, got introduced to Stephen King. Well, how old were you when you first saw the It miniseries? Um, I, I think I was really young, but then we watched it again later, which probably we got it from my grandfather's store. He owned one in Ville Platte, and we'd watch a lot of horror movies. And, but also, when I was younger, I did watch The Shining and um, the little boy going around the carpet. And seeing the two little girls at the end. Oh, on his trike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He saw the twins. Yeah. Like, Daddy, I didn't... play with us that, forever. That stayed with me. And ever. Yes. That stayed with me for a while. And the blood coming out of the elevator doors. Mm-hmm. And then when I saw it later, the freakier part was him sitting at the typewriter and then him typing the whole time. And it's nothing but that That's fucked shit. up. No, that is fucked that up. That messed with me. Dude, you've been sitting there typing for how long they've been there? They talked about this on Exploding Heads. Dave Z mentioned this. He's like, you're sitting there for days, for weeks, for Slaving months, away. typing the same shit. Like, you're crazy, man. <laughs> From day one, you're crazy. Lost it. That movie's amazing. We can't yes. go into that right now because we would go, the whole episode would become about The Shining. <laughs> that would be a good one to cover. Mm hmm. Um, I could definitely cover a lot on that. But well, yeah, I mean, that was the first. And then um, I started reading their books around 12 or 13 years old. And it wasn't very many. I haven't nearly read as many as you have. But um, Carrie, 
I don't think I ever finished it, but I I read a lot of it. It's and, a it's um, a lot to read. That's a yeah, huge book. It's a tome. It's their biggest one, right? Mm, it's there. one of the big there. The one of his biggest ones, You're right? You're still thinking about Kuntz? Uh, you no. you you fucking dunce. No. Thinking about Kuntz. The first Kuntz book I read, I was um This is not hell to the Kuntz. I was like 16 or 17. Mm. So it was a lot later cuz I got introduced to him from a friend. But Stephen King goes a little bit further back. <laughs> I read a lot of The Shining. I think I finished that one. Um, there's a few more. Pet well, Cemetery. I, um, that's his. That's one of his saddest books. Yeah, it was pretty fucked up. Um, way different. Not way different, but pretty. You know, when you adapt a, a book like that to a film, there's a lot that gets left out and. The entire story of the Wendigo being a heavy influence in what the the actual spirit of that graveyard is is left out of the movie. But the subject matter about the kid, yeah, nah. it's messed up. Yeah, really messed up. I don't know about I I can't remember if I read any other ones. I haven't read that many of them, but I've watched a lot of the adaptations. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite Stephen King adaptations when I was a kid was The Lawnmower Man. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, man. I read the Green Mile books. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, well, let, 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 let's let put a pin in that. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to come back to the Green Mile and some of those Yeah, no, but Stephen I was King just saying that, that, that is when I read when, later, like 16, 17 years old. Well, let's get to later. Because sure. when I was a kid, some of the ones, like I said, I watched was like It, Storm of the Century, Rose Red, Children of the Corn, Carrie, which was a Brian De Palma film. I saw Cujo. That kind of freaked me the fuck out when I was a kid. Silver Bullet with Gary Busey and oh. fucking Corey Haim. I don't think I've watched the that werewolf one. one. No, I haven't seen it. We'll probably talk about that that movie in a werewolf episode at some point when we finally get to that. But to to talk briefly about um, watching Christine and uh, I read Christine. I've I never read it. I don't think I've read Christine, but I but I, the the John Carpenter film Christine. Dude, that movie was one that Joe Bob introduced me to on Monster Vision when I was a kid, and it always stuck with me. And when, yeah, I, when, when I got older, and I and I started to uh, look at film with a more analytical eye, and I could notice certain directors' uh, styles. Yeah. When you go back and watch Christine now, even though it's a movie Carpenter has said to this day he thinks is his worst movie and that he only did for the money. Well. He sure as fuck put his stamp on it because I thought it was great. It's great, and 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 he is because he's great. His style bleeds into the movie. There's no, it's shot like so fresh, man. Like you think of a movie that could be boring or dated because of how the cinematography looks. You watch Christine and you see the cinematography going on, the score, the performances, even man. It, it, someone could be like, "Oh, it's hokey," but you get sucked into some of it. it Christine's great, mm-hmm. but but being a teenager, growing up, reading more King, seeing more King, we'll we'll, we'll back up because I know we were like teen, early teens to yeah. preteens when we saw saw or read films and novels like uh, well not novels because this first one and this is a big one, The Shawshank Redemption. Oh yeah, as yeah. a film, big film. Uh, I only watched the film. It's a short story originally titled uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which ties into some of the plot because mm-hmm. the first poster he ever asked for was of... I don't know. Rita Hayworth. In the film, that's the first poster he uh, asked for to uh, cover up his escape. But um, that movie, again, widely regarded as one of the best films of all time, directed by Frank Darabont, who I would, I would venture to say, next to Mike Flanagan, his adaptations of Stephen King's works are some of the best. He he's also made the Green Mile mm-hmm. as as a film, and uh, the Mist. Yeah, he's also the man responsible for bringing The Walking Dead to television. Really, he didn't create it, but he he brought it to AMC. Yeah, interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And Mike Flanagan, uh, he he directed Gerald's Game and uh, the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep. Mm-hmm. Man, I loved Gerald's Game. Mm-hmm. Some I people never say, read that book, and it, it was kind of, it's really fucked up. Well, everyone, the, the script had been passed around for years, and everybody said it was unfilmable. But uh, 
Mike Flanagan. Yeah, I, that was an amazing movie. And there and there's references in all of these things that we're mentioning from the mist, whether it's the the uh, the short story or the adaptation. All paths lead to the Dark Tower. Uh, I, I was in high school and I saw a book at my li- local library called The Gunslinger. That was the title of the book. So this was the first edition print. This was not something that came later where it says Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, or whatever. Stephen King, The Gunslinger. What the fuck is this? And the synopsis for it sold me. It's a, a world like ours, but a world that has moved on. And I'm like, what does that mean? And It's like a Western setting. And you start reading it, and it's a mind fuck. It's a mind fuck of a novel. I'm like, what in the fuck is this shit? And you get book two, Drawing of the Three. It continues the story, and it goes places with multiple dimensions, multiple worlds, much like The Talisman, another Stephen King novel. That it, it, The parallels are crazy. The more books you read in the Dark Tower series, the more you see how they connect to Salem's Lot. They connect to uh, it. They connect to all of his great works. Fa- Father Callahan comes in from from the Salem's Lot. Well, it's about, it's, I mean, Salem Salem's Lot. I, I remember reading some of that, and it was kind of freaky. Did they ever make a movie in that though? Maybe I'm thinking of the movie. They made a television movie, and then uh, later they made a a miniseries with Rob Lowe. Who was also in the Stan miniseries, which I didn't see until I was uh, a little bit older either. And that, that involves Randall Flagg. Again, all paths lead to the Tower. Randall Flagg is one of the main protagonists in the Dark Tower series. Uh, antagonists, excuse me, in the Dark Tower series. He's he's the man in black. He's Walter O'Dim or Walter Paddock. Mm-hmm. When, they, when the movie came out, I mean, I drug you to the movie theaters to see it because yeah. <laughs> I'm such a huge fan. But, but I saw films like Shawshank, Green Mile, when I was older, Misery, with Kathy oh, yeah. fucking Bates. Yeah, that was... was James Kahn. Awesome. I think she's, uh, and I said this in my um, top 35 or whatever episode, I think she plays the best, the best psychopath of the 1990s. Sorry, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. She's crazy, man. And it was later around this age I saw, like, The Shining and shit. I was a little bit older when I finally saw that because I was getting into a certain director and and, and I'm I'm watching these films and I come across The Shining. I'm like, oh, it's fucking Stephen King. I've heard about this. I know what this is. Mm -hmm. When When it comes to King, he has three novels that you could, you know, The Shining has a sequel now, novel and film. But three standalones that most fans, most constant readers would say were his definitive novels. And that would be... The Shining, The Stand, and It. Those would be the three Stephen King is known for this shit forever books. If, if, if you had to, like, you know, nail him down. And when I was older, I, I saw films like Dreamcatcher and Secret Window. You ever seen those? Yeah, I saw Secret Window. With that Johnny was, Depp? Yeah, I saw that later. Depping it up? Yeah. Just fucking sitting around in a robe all the time taking naps all the time but, but then he's crazy all the time <laughs> uh, yeah that was bad I'm a mud farmer from Mississippi <laughs> I need to watch that again I don't remember it that much well have you ever seen Stand By Me I don't think so no Mm-mm. oh my god man it's a coming of age story directed by Rob Reiner who also directed Misery mm-hmm. so <laughs> Damn, well, Rob Reiner might be another one that we, we could throw in the pantheon of directors that have made great Stephen King adaptations. Yep. I, I won't spoil too much in, in front of you, then. The the listeners probably know what's up with that. Mm-hmm. But when we come to the modern age of Stephen King, like we were talking about, I would say it was like It Chapter 1, 11 63 starring uh, James Franco. Did you, did you see that on Hulu? No. Damn, dude, you gotta see that. And we watched uh, In the Tall Grass and the Creepshow miniseries oh, on Shudder. Oh, I, I forgot about that one. That was really good. That was another mindfuck. Yeah, I, yeah, it was um, messed up. There's some Dark Tower shit in Gerald's game, too, by the way. Just saying, man. It, it, all paths lead to the, to the tower. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's great. And you saw Doctor Sleep. I showed you that one. You love that one. What about 1408? Yeah, I watched the movie. Oh, I mean, I enjoy all of those. I mean, the only one I didn't enjoy was that um, the one we, we were going to talk about. Mm. So this is an early one for me. Yeah, we can bring it back to this. With Emilio. Emilio, yeah. That also ties in Will Ferrell and the Welshley Arms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> SNL, y'all. Um, Maximum Overdrive. Yeah. The short story I think was called Trucks, but uh, Stephen King <laughs> in his cocaine fueled height of his powers era in the 80s decided he was going to. Oh, <laughs> it's in the trailer. YouTube the trailer for Maximum Overdrive, and Stephen King is in the trailer with the craziest eye, eyelashes, no, eye, uh, <laughs> eyebrows of all time. And he says, uh, I figured out by now that if you want to do something right, you got to do it yourself. And he's, he's, so he directed this movie where a comet passes through the earth's, uh, trajectory around the sun and the, the, the tail of the comet turns all of the electronic items on planet earth into murderous machines. That's the premise. The film opens with Stephen King making one of his famous cameos that he's known to make in many of the adaptations of his works, being told he's an asshole by the ATM machine. Honey, this thing's calling me an asshole. All hell breaks loose, man. And the fucking soundtrack is by AC motherfucking DC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, um, the, the theme song. <laughs> Who made who? Oh, Who made you? God. It's the best. I had, I had that album. Man. When I was a kid. Oh, yeah. I was conceived after an ACDC concert. That my folks pinpointed the, the day because of how my dad's work was. <laughs> I was born of rock and roll, man. Oh my gosh. And I was born on July 4th, y'all. So I'm an American baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real rock and roll independence baby. My parents can see me on Valentine's Day because my day is four days after that. It's November 18th. Oh, wow. I'm made of love. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> that's why you're an angel. So they say like, all ba- like February 14th to November 14th is exactly... Mashed Potato Johnson Day. A due date. (laughs) November 18th is forever known as Mashed Potato Johnson Day in this household. That's Walt Disney's birthday, too. What? November 18th? Yeah. Oh, Lord. (laughs) There's a lot of baggage there. Yes. A lot of greatness, too. Thank you, Disney. But also... Alexander the Great (laughs) was born on November 18th. Oh, shit. We're getting a history lesson. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I, it's fun. I did a whole episode, episode 9, Blood Monoth. It was all about the month of November. I didn't know any of this. Yeah. Well, the next thing you're going to tell me was Hitler was born on November 18th. I think he was born in November. He wasn't. No? When, no. When? <laughs> you ready for this? What? 420, baby. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, old Aries ass fucking everybody up. He's fucking born on <laughs> fucking weed day, man. We, you know, we need that, though. No chill for him. God damn. Hell no, no chill. That dude fucking wrecked shop all over the planet. <laughs> that one motherfucker. Yeah, okay. I know we're talking about Stephen King right now. Mm-hmm. But you want to know what I'm thinking about? What? The color of space. The color of space. Did we talk about this? No. All right. What's up? I don't know, man. It's just fucking me up again. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right, well, yeah, all right. We're talking about Stephen King, but we're gonna we're gonna within the Stephen King conversation, we're gonna have a Lovecraftian cosmic horror conversation because the podcast I've been delving into cosmic horror adjacent. Like I'm tying things into other films that probably aren't necessarily cosmic horror, but I did the Void, I did uh, the Thing. So yeah, what's up? What's up with this Lovecraftian Nicolas Cage starring fucking story well, directed by Richard Stanley? What what you got? Before we start, I just want to like warn the listeners: spoiler alert! It's fucked up. It's really fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fucked it's, up. I've been 
thinking about this shit. When, when I sit at the office and I'm working, the little boy screaming will pop into my head. And then I'm like, oh, man. Well, okay. Tell oh, everyone. What is, the, what is the film about? What, what's the basic premise of the film? There is a meteor that crashed into Earth. And from the get-go, I felt like I knew something was going on with this particular meteor. I mean, are we going to spoil it or what? This is the nightclub. Unless I say there's no spoilers. Yeah, everything from here on out will be spoiled. And no, I'm not putting timestamps in. It's not because of laziness. It's because it's meant to be consumed as one whole show. <laughs> so if you're a horror fan, you better have seen this. If not, just keep pressing that fast forward button. I don't know what um, to say. All right, so let, let me tell y'all right now. There's this meteor that crashes into the fucking earth. It is glowing like the 80s. Neon, bright ass, motherfucking purple, mm -hmm. and immediate, so fucking cool. immediately, I'm like, hmm, bet there's gonna be radiation involved in this shit. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm fucking correct. It goes. But oh, but are you? No, I am. There's definitely radiation involved. You saw them fucking uh, alpacas. That's how it manifests. From the weird plants to the um the fucked up looking tomatoes. Man, <laughs> When Nick Cage takes a bite, <laughs> you guys are in for a treat. Oh, <laughs> don't <laughs> spoil does, that. Don't no, spoil I'm, that. I'm, I'm not. They got to see that in there. The alpacas are a prime. Um, they are they are um, Nick Cage's pride and joy mm -hmm. in this movie. It's his investment, man. That's his retirement plan. Yes. And um, <laughs> what happens is very fucking unfortunate. It's 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 so, it's very much a tribute to the thing. Very much. Oh, it's 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 great and it's it's messed up because I can't stop thinking about that kid screaming. What what are you thinking about? What are you what are you talking about? Alright, so so the mom and the son become fused together when there's like a bolt of energy that comes out of this freaking hole. Mm, the well. The well. And all of a sudden after <laughs> that they are fused together and they're the slimy combined substance with faces. And they're both screaming yeah. in agony and pain until Nick Cage puts them out of the, their misery. It's rough shit, man. Yeah, the little boy crying. I, I don't even give a. I didn't give a shit about the mom, which I sympathize with. But that kid crying on her back, and then but the the most fucked up part is when she's still whimpering and crying. The kid has gone silent, so he has died on her back. <sighs> That's what got me. I'm mm -hmm. like, man, I can't deal with this. It was messed up. People aren't, and I've ne I, I've listened to a few different podcasts talk about this film. No one has mentioned this. Nobody has talked about like that p particular moment and 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 it's and, rough. and actualization as an audience, like watching the film. I, I haven't heard a single one talk about that part, and that's fucked up. That's some fucked up it's shit. One of the, it's one of the roughest. Um, I mean, most heartbreaking things that happens. We'll talk about the other part that fucks you up, though. With the alpacas? No. Oh. Tommy motherfucking Chong. Tommy Chong is all screwed up, and he's got a whole rig of recordings, and he's he's being eaten alive by radiation, so his skin is all melted off. <laughs> <laughs> and the recordings the are like this, and they come back up like this. It's yeah. in the water. It's in the air. It's terrible. That part is fucked up, man. Yeah, it's scary. I was in theaters, like, just sucked into the atmosphere of it. I got, I was lucky enough to watch this in the movies. And I was just sucked into the, the atmosphere of the movie at this point. From from scene one of The Color Out of Space, I was drawn in because the, the daughter the, of the family that Nick Cage is the father of, she's performing a, uh, a, a spell. She, she's performing a ritual. That that hooked me in right away. I'm like, this is, the night, this is nightclub fodder. Like, okay, yeah, cool. I mean, what's up? And then the comedy kind of comes in, and, and there's comedic elements throughout, but then there's fucking, like you're saying, fucked up shit in this movie. This movie is great, man. And you know, it's supposed to be the first part of a trilogy. I feel like we've talked about this. I don't know about a trilogy. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Stanley, uh, Richard Stanley has got the green light from uh, the film, that the, the production company that made this film is Elijah Woods' production company, Spectre Vision or Spectra Vision. I don't have notes in front of me. I don't know mm. the exact name, so forgive me. But they've made some other awesome movies. And, uh, yeah, they. I think they want to make this into a uh, 
a trilogy of films, Lovecraft inspired. Mm. And not inspired, stories of Lovecraft. That's a story from H.P. Lovecraft. Obviously, there's liberties taken, modern time setting and all that, but and the comedy elements with Nicolas Cage, that's not part of the original deal. But So yeah, that fucked you up. That's cool. Yeah, dude. And to bring us back to King and make it somewhat, again, cosmic horror, the resurgence of Stephen King was brought upon by, no doubt, the most influential horror film probably of the 2010s, I'd say, as far as in like, well, maybe not most influential, but damn, the most successful. This was a blockbuster horror film in It Chapter One, a movie made on a $30 million budget, $35 million maybe? If, if I'm not mistaken, if it's more than that, then holy shit, okay? But I think it was that low that made like 800 million, uh, maybe worldwide, or maybe that was just in the US. I, I don't remember, but it made a shit ton of money. And that's what brought Chapter 2 to those epic proportions where it, like it was blown out of the water. Uh, fucking, this, this is a, this is like Avengers. <laughs> level shit but right. for a horror movie like it was epic in scale it was great I, th I thought so but 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 it you know uh, fuck it's a co that's a cosmic horror movie the creatures yeah. from fucking space mm -hmm. or or well if you're reading the novel it's from beyond space so <laughs> the macroverse or whatever the fuck it is in that in that adaptation. It's from the fucking outer dark, man. It's from the in-between. It's from the bad shit, the bad place, the sunken place. <sighs> oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> That's what I'd expect to find floating through there is fucking big fucking spider clown coming mm. after me. Yeah. If you're going to have to rank some Stephen King shit, and it could be your top five, top ten... What what would you what would be your favorite Stephen King film adaptations? I'll give it mm. film 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 or miniseries because I don't want you to have to you haven't read like you said as many books. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you mine. I'll I'll go first. Do five. I've done nineteen because this is episode nineteen and nineteen plays a big part in the Dark Tower series. So honorable mentions go to. Storm of the Century, Rose Red, Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three, and Gerald's Game. Uh, three of those are television miniseries that are fucking amazing. And uh, one of them is a Netflix special. You can watch on Netflix right now. Gerald's Game. Check that shit out, man. At number 19, I've got The Dark Tower. It doesn't deserve to even be on the list, technically. It's a very botched adaptation, but it reminded me of an 80s fantasy film. I just couldn't shake that feeling the whole time I was watching it. Like, this exact story could have come out in the 80s with 80s special effects and worked just as well, and it would have been fucking like an awesome one-off movie. Like, what the fuck? You remember The Dark Tower? Yeah, man, I grew up on that. That's gonna be what I think some kids are gonna say a generation from now, like their brother and sister will show them this movie and they'll be like, I remember watching that type mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. I've got the lawnmower man at number 18 because that, that movie's awesome. Number 17, silver bullet werewolf shit. We'll come back to that in a werewolf episode. Number 16, pet cemetery, the original from 1989. Again, fucking the original Judd. I'm not talking about, the Trinity Killer from season four of Dexter or whatever. Following that at 15, I've got It, the miniseries starring Tim Curry. A lot of people remember this and they are struck with fear because of Tim Curry's performance as Pennywise, the, the dancing clown. Yeah. They, that's, that's what, when people who are afraid of clowns think of, you know, clowns or why they're afraid of clowns. Yeah, yeah. It, it goes back to this guy, not John Wayne Gacy. Nope. Tim Curry. Yeah. It's messed up. When you were a kid, what scene fucked you up from that from that miniseries? 
Um, I didn't like the bo- I didn't like the balloons popping on the people full of blood. Um, <laughs> you go back now and you watch every one of them flinch when it happens. It's great. <laughs> um, and um, I guess like any of the scenes where like his 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 teeth like oh he'd open up the it. mouth yeah like when I was a kid what fucked me up was the scene where uh Bill goes in his room after Georgie's dead and the fucking book falls on the floor or like well the 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 picture of Georgie winks at him and the book falls on the floor and starts bleeding yeah but the parents don't see the blood right but the kids do that always kind of fuck with me yeah following that at number 14 I've got Dr. Sleep uh this is so fresh but I had to put it on here because it was so good to me again just like it chapter 2 fuck even it chapter 1 this felt like a blockbuster horror film. Like, the budget was so big for it, and it made use of that budget. Like, it really showed it off in a great way. Not an overly blown CGI way. Like, it was classly. It was... How do you say that? It was handled with class. Mm-hmm. And again, directed by Mike Flanagan, man. Mike motherfucking Flanagan. Uh, number 13, The Mist. We're going to talk about this movie one day. Cosmic Horror... Related to the Dark Tower, the film is fucking awesome. And Stephen King said about Frank Darabont's ending, because they're not the same. Mm-hmm. He said, I wish I'd have wrote that ending. Oh, and we'll wow. leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, number 12, Stand By Me. Coming of age film. Four friends, adolescent friends, go off to find a, a, a dead body. Oh. Yeah, no, it's it's and it's good. You got Corey Feldman in it. You have Joaquin Phoenix's brother, uh, River Phoenix. When in did it. that come out? The 1980s. I want to say 88, 89, somewhere around there. Uh, number 11, The Stand miniseries, directed by Mick Garris, starring uh, Lieutenant Dan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as uh, Stu Redman. Um, Molly Ringwald's up in there. That's his later love interest. You got uh, Rob Lowe, again, like I said earlier. He's um, the deaf mute. And it was my initial introduction to Randall Flagg and Mother Abigail. She's got rats in her corn. (laughs) (laughs) You know about that? No. Number 10, Maximum Overdrive, baby. Uh, That's fucking right. I feel like that's in your top 10. You know why? Because you love ACDC. I love ACDC, sure, but no. It's in my top 10 because it's so fucking crazy. It's so fucking fun. And it's it, it, when they throw in the cans. Throw in the cans? Yeah, like the, they throw in cans or. Is it cans? What? Someone gets hit in the head with a can. Is it that? Yeah, it's that movie. What are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> what? Something to do with that. What are you talking about, man? Hold on. I'm going to back this up. I don't even know what the fuck I was saying. You were talking about Maximum Overdrive. No, I know, but you're talking about Coke cans. There's a scene where they throw Coke cans at each other, and one of the kids gets hit so hard. You're talking about the fucking... Dude, you're talking about... (laughs) (laughs) When the kids are playing baseball, and the Coke machine starts fucking launching cans, and it kills people and kids and shit. Is it on that movie? Yeah, kids die in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kids. It's messed up. What... But I'm saying, for as stupid and crazy as this movie is, you know how much of a horror cliche it is to kill a kid in a movie? Oh, yeah. No boundaries for this dude. Big time. Number nine. 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 Christine. Directed by John Carpenter. Christine. Christine. Number eight, Secret Window, starring Johnny Depp, boy, and John Turturro. If you haven't seen it, I'm not spoiling it. We'll talk I about seen it. it. No, not you, the audience. Oh. Number seven, <laughs> Misery. Kathy yes. Bates. She is Annie Wilkes. Oh, and we she need is to your watch biggest. She's your biggest fan. Oh, I love her. You're breaking the fuck out of some legs, Bob. Number number six, it chapter one. Number five. It Chapter 2. <laughs> I got them back to back, and I'm one of the rare ones out there in the horror community that loves It Chapter 2 more than It Chapter 1. Yeah, a little I like, bit. I like one more. I, well, that's fine. And I, I, I like I like some of the emotional 
part one's got a lot of emotional bonds and and breaks that 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 you can look look to if you and if you like that you'll love stand by me that's that's what i'm saying you'll love that type of story with the kids and stuff that stephen king is great at writing kids adolescent relationships and and that's the thing about stephen king as a novelist man as a writer like that guy captures what it's like to be a kid and the perspective but then you're dealing with these a lot of times most times allegorical fears that that's part of his whole milieu man that's a, that's his bread and butter mm-hmm. and that's why it was a cultural phenomenon the clown helped a lot the imagery of the clown bill skarsgård as pennywise he is he he, he stands alone and he has made the role his own tim curry yeah. lovers out there look i grew up with him i'm gonna say it right here right now Skarsgård kind of takes the cake a little bit as far as the scary, creepy aspect goes. Tim Curry, great performance. Creepy at times, but definitely he was over the top just like the rest of that fucking miniseries was. You want a horror version of Pennywise that kills kids again? That's the fucked up shit that Skarsgård brings to the performance, man. At number four, Shawshank Redemption. That's a good one. Number three, The Green Mile. I know, that's so good. Shawshank and Green Mile are both dramatic prison films one of them ends with hope the other ends in sadness i'm not gonna say which one does or doesn't end in which way or the other because if no one's ever seen them i won't spoil it now number two film adaptation of stephen king works so this is a little bit of a cheat but it's from my childhood and it's nostalgic and it's still great to this day written by stephen king directed by george a motherfucking romero 1982's creep show yeah, that was good. It's a horror anthology. We got Tony Danza. We've got fucking <laughs> Al Holbrook. We've got Leslie Nielsen playing a bastard. All right, and I'm I'm jumping around from one skit to the other because Creep shows a movie we could talk about one day. I don't want to. I this is the thing about the list. I don't want to spoil a lot. I just wanted to kind of give a few a few of the the, the movies away, but not so much the details in case we ever want to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Number one. Stephen King film adaptation, which, again, in the horror community, this is going to get me some shit if anyone gives me shit about it, because it's not a real adaptation, but it's based on a Stephen King work, and it's my favorite of those, and it's The Shining. Yes. Kubrick made it his own, but Stephen King notoriously hates the fact that he changed so much of it, almost to the the point of, like, in 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 the movie... The family is driving a yellow beetle, as to where in the novel the family was driving a red beetle on the way to the hotel, the Overlook. Mm-hmm. And in the film, they they pass a, uh, a or later in the film, I think it's when uh, Scatman Crothers is heading up there to help. He doesn't do much much help helping <laughs> in the film when he comes back. But I think they pass a red beetle that's been uh, wrecked. So it was almost like Kubrick saying, "Yeah, I've wrecked your story. This is mine now." Wow. Yeah, but so but that that said, it's based on a Stephen King work, so it's my favorite Stephen King adaptation, quote unquote. So much gets changed from book to screen that you can call any of these a a quote unquote adaptation and mean it the same way that some people mean it when they fucking want to, I don't know, thumb their nose at if that's even an expression at the fucking uh, Kubrick Shining, but. If you if you could give me a top five or ten Stephen King films, what what would you what would you say? I know you don't have you're not prepared with a list, but sp- no. spout them off. And if you know your favorite, save it for last. Um, I I don't I guess number five. Um, it's hard for me to go backwards because I don't really have a list prepared, but I know what I like the most, and I could just go from there. Okay, well if that's how you want to do it, that's fine. Okay, well, number one would be The Shining. I like that the most. Woo woo. Um, number two, probably the It Part One, the new one. Oh, yeah, It Chapter One. Yeah, and the third, um, so the third one, the, uh, the It miniseries. Hmm. Um. Wow. Four, and I know this made it, like, as an honorable mention on yours, but I really enjoyed Gerald's game. The only reason it made an honorable mention on mine is because I saw it, well, it's kind of, yeah, I saw it once. So I would need to see it again. Doctor Sleep, I've seen three times now. So even though same director, 
very similar time frame because Gerald's game came out not that long before Dr. Sleep. I, I still like Dr. Sleep like so much, but Gerald's game is fucking great. Like it's great and it's fucked up. I, I gotta see it again, that's all. Yeah, so that's my number four and number five, I'm trying to think of what I like more. Um I don't know, maybe Pet Cemetery? I'm trying to think of some other ones I watched though. Um <laughs> But I like the newer Pet Cemetery. What? The new Pet Cemetery. Yeah? I liked it. Oh, you didn't like it? No. I thought it was good. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine with grimacing. Yeah, that's fine. It didn't compare to the old one. Not to me. I don't know. Some I... people like the new one. It's it's alright. It, it's just... Um, mm. Maybe not that, though. I really liked Carrie. And I liked Christine, so maybe one of those. Yeah, you weren't prepared with a list. No. It... Maybe Christine more than Carrie, though. I did enjoy that movie a lot. I was young when I watched it. But The Shining's definitely your favorite. Yeah, hands down. Yeah. I mean, oh, well, The Green Mile, that's one of my, that might be, that might be number two. I don't know. I love The Green Mile. Forgot about it for a minute. What about Shawshank? Yeah, it was good. I've only seen it once, though. I don't, I mean, I, I remember it, but not that well. Yeah. A lot of people consider that one of the best films ever made. Yeah, it was so good. It, and not just Stephen King film, like films. Um, yeah, well... That's a little, a little bit of a, us with King. It's again not a King episode like his life, but just kind of, kind of how we feel and what we like about Stephen King, to a degree. And I, I try to break down a little bit of his horror writing style, but I feel like I'd want to do that a little bit more on an episode dedicated to his life and career. Um, this is just more us and King. Mm-hmm. But I'm gonna end the show with something I think is gonna be fun. This isn't the style of a who wants to be a millionaire. So you're going to have multiple choice answers. Okay. You ready for this? Sure. Who wants to be royalty? Mm. Oh. All right. What? <laughs> so you're going to have to answer some questions. I'm going to I'm going to give you a question and you get some Multiple choice answers. And this is testing your horror trivia knowledge. You ready? I am ready in the Wesley Arms Caravan. <laughs> yeah, it's it's always going to be held in the in the Wesley Arms Caravan. <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. There's six questions because six is evil. Okay. What is Freddy Krueger's backstory? Is it a a toy shop owner? whose store was vandalized by the children of Elm Street, leading to a fire that killed Freddy? Is it B, an ice cream man whose truck was sabotaged by the children of Elm Street, causing him to wreck and die in a fiery crash? C, known as the Springwood Slasher, Freddy abducted and murdered children, leading to the parents of Elm Street to burn him alive. It's C. I I didn't even read D, you ass... Okay, it was a D, a camp counselor who was drowned by the kids of Elm Street. See, you knew that one, though. All right, I'm proud. I know a lot of them, I'm, I'm sure you're about to say. I'm proud. I'm proud. No, I'm proud Watch of this. Watch, I'm going to get all the next ones wrong. <laughs> I hope you get them right. If you get them all right, I'm going to be super... I'm gonna what have happens a, at, What kind of prize do I get if I get them all right? My hard on. The Welshley Arms? The Welshley Arms hard on in the <laughs> in the caravan. Stop. All right, ding, ding, ding. You've got um, $1,000. It'll incrementally go up. A thousand T-Boo... A thousand T-Boo credits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two. Who not only created the score, but also directed the original Halloween? Is it A, Wes Craven? B, John Carpenter? C, Sam Raimi? Or D, Dario Argento? John Carpenter. Yes. (laughs) Yes, bitch. Yeah, man. Fucking good. I'm all right. I'm getting, yeah, they they have. I'm getting a, chubby over here. <laughs> I'm getting chubby. They have a, um, they have a vinyl of all of John Carpenter's. Uh, As they should. I do. I want it so bad, dude. Fuck yeah, we yeah we do. We should get it, huh? Yeah. It's cool. Question number three. I think I think this is where you're gonna you're gonna fall from grace. Uh oh. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Who has played Jason Voorhees in four consecutive films? Is it A. Kane Hodder, B. 
Nick Castle, C. Brad Dorif, or D. Doug Bradley? A. Damn! <laughs> what are you doing? The cane. How'd you know that? Well, I, I watched some of the documentaries with you. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you know why the other answers are all wrong as fuck? Because they're not him. None of them were ever Jason. Right. No, I know. Do you know who Nick Castle was? Um, yeah, but he's a, he's a musician, right? No. I'm thinking of Nick Cave. No, not Nick Cave. <laughs> he's not a bad seed. Nick Castle was uh, the original Michael Myers, and he played Michael in the new 2018 version. Oh, uh, okay. Brad Dorif. I'm three for three, babe. Well, who was Brad? Yeah, this isn't a question. I don't know about Brad. He was Chucky. Okay. And Doug Bradley was Pinhead. I knew that. We watched that documentary. All right, question number four. You, you're three, you're three <laughs> for three right now, babe. M. Night Shyamalan Split is a sequel to which film? A. The Visit. B. Signs. C. Glass. Or D. Unbreakable. Say it again. M. Night Shyamalan Split is a sequel to which film? A. The Visit. B. Signs. C. Glass. Or D. Unbreakable. Glass. Nope. Is it Unbreakable? Yes. I got confused with your question, though. A, no, a sequel. Sequel, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give that one to you because you knew it was in that universe, but that's like a half point. I don't know what to say about that there. <laughs> I know you were on the, you were, you were in the right, you were, you were kind of there, but damn. I never saw Unbreakable. Yes, you have. We watched it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll say you're four for four because you. No, you, I'm not. Don't give it to me. Well, you said you, you feel bad. No, I'm not. Well, you said immediately after that though. Oh no, it was unbreakable. You said. Yeah. You you, you knew you knew it was in that universe because you, you giving it to me. That's sweet. Yeah. Question five: Which production company created both Insidious and Paranormal Activity franchises? Is it A. Monkey Paw, B. Blumhouse, C. Lionsgate? Or D, A24? A24. Was Wrong. it Blumhouse? It's Blumhouse. I didn't know it. they did uh, Insidious. Yep. Famously so. <laughs> I like that movie. The, uh, the whole franchise they've done. Alright. Four for four out of six. <laughs> Strong. Most horror fans out there, li- listen, guys, gals, I know. These are softball questions. But... My wife isn't as hardcore into this as some of us are, but but I'm getting her into it, and I'm fucking thrilled that she knew some of these answers. <laughs> For real, I am. Um, th- anyone who's part of the Horophilia Network or anything like that that might listen to the show, or people that never fucking email in that I ask to all the time, they probably know a lot about this shit. They're going to be like, Dario Gento did not score fucking Halloween. <laughs> I watched scored. a lot of like the newer horror movies and stuff, and I don't a lot of older ones too. But you've introduced me to more older horror films. And baby, we're barely breaking the fucking waters on this one, you know, whatever that expression is. Bad at expressions, I guess. Breaking uh. Breaking the ice. Breaking the, the ice. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> the tip of the iceberg. This is the tip of the iceberg in your horror education. <laughs> Question number six. And <laughs> this is probably a gimme based on the episode, but I wanted you to get it right. Who directed The Shining 1980? Is it A. Stephen King, B. Brian De Palma, C. Mick Garris, or D. Stanley Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick. Correct. Aww. Look at you, knowing your shit. Aww. So she got five out of six correct. <laughs> I have four out of six correct. Not according to me, and I'm I'm the I'm the the person editing, so I have control. I've had five thousand Travis credits. <laughs> oh no, each one exponentially grew. You're a you're a millionaire. You're a horror. Uh, what is it? A horror royal royal horror royalty. <laughs> what's my uh, What's my ranking on? Um, Got to give a ranking on like um, intermediate horror knowledge. Oh, you're not. I'm beginning. I'm yeah, a, you're I'm not. Yeah. Okay. You're not. But you knew. You knew. You knew some shit. You <laughs> didn't know a production company, but that's deeper stuff. That's deeper. Um, you fumbled a little bit based on the 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 wording of the question. I guess I said sequel. I don't know how 
plane that could be, but uh, <laughs> you, but you were in, but you knew the the series of films I was talking about because mm-hmm. you pay attention sort of to when I talk. But Good. the doc, but the documentaries, yeah, you you got your knowledge from, and and you knew that Kane Hodder was Jason, and uh, whatever the fucking first question I was asked. Well, you knew Carpenter directed, uh, yeah, and Halloween and scored it. So yeah, man, you're 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 getting there. You're gonna get there. One day you'll be able to tell me who directed Return of the Living Dead, and that's the day that I'm just gonna bend over backwards and lick my own asshole oh. and give praise to myself that I helped you get there. I'm gonna watch. <laughs> you better hope. <laughs> I've been Travis Maxo Boone, and I'm Angel Mashed Potato Johnson Boone. 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 Thank you for listening to episode 19. This was a fun one. Stay spooky, bitches. Thank you.